and every one of you here today. It's so great to be able to worship Jesus together. It is a great day to be able to be a part of this time and season of our lives. And I want you to know that I'm praying for each and every one of you that God will continue to encounter more of your life, change more of your life. In fact, as we were worshiping the Lord, I, I, I felt like the Lord put a word in my heart and my spirit, and it's this, that I feel like so many of you feel like right now there is a lid on your life. There's something that's limiting you from experiencing more of God, experiencing more joy, more freedom. And I just felt like as we are starting a new series here, it's, it's funny how the Lord does that, about surrender, that we're talking about surrender, that I felt the Lord begin to encourage you that he is about to open up some things where you have felt limited in your life. He's getting ready to move in different ways, things that you've been asking for, you've been praying about. But God says the key is to continue to surrender to him, to surrender to his will, to his spirit. And as you do that, God will do greater things. Well, again, I want to say, again, for those of you who are joining with us online, we are so glad that you're here with us today. And in fact, I want to ask you that if you, for those who are listening online, if you give us a like on Facebook or subscribe on YouTube, that will allow you to be able to get all of the things that we're doing, uh, be a part of all of our content. You won't miss anything that's going on in our church, and you'll stay connected to all the things that we're doing. We don't want you to miss out on anything, so I encourage you to do that. Well, today, as I already shared, I'm excited about our new series called Surrender. And here's what this series is about. And I want th th this is what I want to, uh, th that I believe God wants to get into our hearts and our spirits, is that we cannot experience everything God has planned for us unless we surrender, without surrender. We must surrender. In fact, if I say it more specifically like this, we only find life through surrendering to Jesus. That it's when we give of ourselves, that we give our lives to Jesus, that we experience life. And I want to start off by, by asking this question. Have you ever been around or come into contact with somebody or something, discover that the smell of that has kind of rubbed off on your clothes? Maybe you weren't initially aware of it, or, or maybe it might be a restaurant that you go to that serves a certain type of food that, that you didn't tell your, your wife or your husband that you were going to that restaurant, but they know, they know, because they can smell it on you. They, there's just that, that essence that happens, or, or maybe it's the, the neighbor's dog, you were petting the dog or somebody's cat, and, the, and, and the, that smell, it just gets on you, or maybe what the dog dropped in the yard, you stepped in it, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it might be somebody's perfume or their cologne. As you, you get around them, that, that, that you, you, you can all of a sudden later on, you're like, oh, what, oh that's right, I was, I was around that person. They have that smell. Um, I, I say this as we talk about uh, things that can rub off on us. For many of us, this is an exciting time of year. Why is that? Because it's almost, I say almost, it's almost camping season. Almost. I mean, not quite. It's, it's getting there. I mean, uh, we're maybe a snowstorm or two away. But in, in fact, for those of you that are, are hardcore campers, a little snow or a little rain doesn't really stop you. In fact, that's kind of part of the, the glory of it. It's how you, you tell your stories. It's about, you know, if the things that you survived while you were camping, that's what produces those epic or legendary stories. You know, I was in a 30 below zero and we were camping, and I didn't go home. 
you know, I've heard you guys talk about it. How many campers do we have here? People that like to go camping, they, they like to, to do that. Uh, like, okay, maybe they're in the first service, more of them. We'll have to see more of the campers. But, you know, what makes or breaks camping, camping regardless of whether, uh, what level of outdoorsman or outdoors woman that you are is the campfire, isn't it? We love the campfire. In fact, campfires are, uh, I even say this, there are those of us that aren't really big into camping. It wouldn't be my thing. But you like have a fire pit in your backyard so that you don't have to do all the camping stuff, but you still get to experience the best part of camping, the campfire. Now, a, a good campfire covers a multitude of other camping injustices. Not only does it warm our bodies, but it, it warms our lives because it's around the campfire that we tell stories, that we, we experience laughter, even sometimes some tears as we grow closer to the people that we're, we're, we're spending that time with. It's, it's the best part. It's what we love to do. But who here knows there's another part of camping, that, that uh, the campfire that isn't always as pleasant. It's the, the smoke of the campfire. And, and, and the smoke permeates everything in you and around you. In fact, uh, it's something that you just sometimes can't get away from. Who here in this audience, you're like me, when you're around the campfire, you're the smoke magnet. It like, wherever you move around the campfire, just like it follows you, you're like, all right, it's burning my eyes. It's terrible. I'm going to go clear to the other side. And you move to the other side, and what happens? There's the smoke. It's like it chases you. Ah, it drives me crazy. You see, campfire smell attaches itself to you and everything you come into contact with. It's like your great aunt's lipstick. It rubs off on everything that comes within five feet of her. Do you have an aunt or a great grandma or somebody? It's just like that. Come on, we all have that person who we know you, everybody knows who you've been around because of the lipstick or the perfume now that's on you. We got that. Why am I talking about this? Well, in the book of Mark, we have a story about Jesus getting around some fishermen. And we all know that fishermen are who they are because they tend to have the essence of fish on them, don't they? And everyone they come into contact with. You know that. Some of you are close to people who like to go fishing. Let's read together, starting in Mark chapter 1, in verse 16, about Jesus, and when I talk about fishermen. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will make you, or I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets and at once followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat, repairing their nets. He called to them at once and they also followed him. Listen to this, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Uh, I've got to say this, when I was growing up, my dad loved to fish. It was one of the things that he really enjoyed doing and and. And he would take my, me and my sister with him uh, sometimes when we were younger. We, didn't, we weren't as excited about it. So while he was fishing, 
We did what we did best. We scared away all of the fish by throwing rocks into the river, into the pond. He would always be frustrated, but hey, you bring your kids fishing with you. It's what you do. But when I got a little older, he began to teach me how to fish. And I remember when I was nine years old, I was allowed to fish for the first time. Now, initially, I believe my dad did this because I was getting bigger and I could throw the rocks farther and cause more commotion. And so because I was bored, and so he's like, look, I got to get this kid for not doing it. I'm going to let him start fishing. And so he baited my hook with, listen to this, a piece of fluorescent green yarn. It wasn't any special bait because they didn't think I was going to catch anything. I believe that. <laughs> and told me to be careful. Don't snag your line on the rock. So he taught me how to cast a few times. I threw my, uh, my line we're on, in a river. The water's going by, and he said, avoid this area in that way. And so I was throwing my line, and after a few casts, guess what happened? My line got snagged on the rocks. And so I was trying to move around, because I'd watched my dad do this. I was trying to move around to get the, the line unsnagged. And so my dad saw it, and he started to come towards me. And in that moment, all of a sudden, out of the water jumped a fish with my line on it. It was pretty exciting. For the next 45 minutes, we went up and down the bank of the river. My dad sometimes carrying me, holding me, taking me over rocks. He had hip waders on through water. To At the end of 45 minutes, we landed a 12-pound steelhead. Yeah, that's a fish story for you, isn't it? 12 pounds. It was really probably 6 pounds when I was younger, but it's gotten bigger. And you know, it's, it was 12 pounds. <laughs> Now, as we grab the fish <clears throat> and eventually clean the fish, all of a sudden the slimy, gooey scales and other fish parts, you know, they were just kind of all over us. It was, it's part of the fishing experience. And, 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 and it became a part of me. Now, this was not obvious to me and my dad until we went to the store on the way home. And as we were in the store, we noticed that everybody was turning their noses away from us. Like, ooh, what's going on? Well, because we had the essence of fish all over us. For those people that weren't fishing, they gave us, it was like a look of a, a disgust and disdain. But for my dad and I, it was the smell of victory, sweet victory. When we read the ch first chapter of Mark, we're we see what Jesus is doing. We, we, we look at the first chapter, Mark. We have to understand that this is the account of the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which lasted for three and a half years. You see, after Jesus was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, which you see earlier in chapter one of Mark, the Bible says that he went and he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness with wild animals, uh, being tempted by the enemy without any food or water. And so after he comes out of the, the wilderness, he, he, or after the 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, the Bible says that he's led them to spend some time at the beach. <laughs> now, I told you I am not much of a camping person, but I do like the beach. Hello, anybody else a beach person? It's relaxing. It's time for good rest. Uh, in fact, you can light a campfire at the beach too. Hello. And at least that's what I would do. That's how I would do things. And so Jesus now, being Jesus, 
he begins to do things that we see Jesus began to do all throughout the Bible. And instead of enjoying his time at the beach, what does he do? He calls two brothers first who are doing what they've done their whole life. What? Fishing. You see, for, for Peter and Andrew, and later on we see uh, John and James, who he calls, we see that fishing was a family business to this. Why do we know this? We know this because their dad was in the boat with them. That's what they did. This was not a vacation thing that they were doing. It was not their holiday at the Sea of Galilee. It was them actually doing their business. It was their family profession that they'd had for generations. Fixing nets, catching fish, cleaning fish, selling fish, eating fish. It is what they did. You knew growing up in the Hebrew culture what you were going to do in your life. Why? Because it's what your dad was doing. It's what your grandfather had done. It's probably what your great-grandfather had done. And you knew going in, this is what you were going to do and that your kids were going to do. But then Jesus, who's walking on the shore without warning, calls to them, inviting him to join them in a new life opportunity. And here's what he says. Come, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Other translations say fishers of men. You know, I, I believe this, that when they woke up in the morning, that morning, they thought it was probably going to be like every other day. They were going to fish. They were going to fix nets. They were going to clean fish. They were going to eat fish. They had no indication that this day was going to be any different than the last. But in a suddenly moment, they were faced with the decision to keep doing what they've been doing their whole life or to make a life change, a full life change. Jesus says, no longer will you fish for fish, but join me and I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you how you can learn to fish for people. Spend time with me and the essence of who I am will rub off on you. I'm going to show you a better way to live, a life that is about my father's business. We'll talk about that here in a minute too. Reaching people, teaching people, and most importantly, loving people. If you follow me, there's going to be a new smell on your life. The essence of people. Now, this seems like a little bit of a rash decision in that moment. I mean, they, this was their career, and maybe they were like, we'll never get out of this. And all of a sudden, in that moment, the Bible says at once, they left their nets and they decided to follow him. You know, it seems like it might have been just an easy decision for him, but you have to remember they left everything behind. They left their families. They even left their father in the boat. I believe this today. We're going to be talking today about surrender. We're going to be talking today about what it means to be a disciple for Jesus. What That the, the call of God still goes out for us today for us to change what we're doing to follow him, to become fishers of people, that he's calling us, he's asking us, he's beckoning to us, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. You see, either we will choose to be his disciples, but to do so, we must choose to surrender our life to him. We have to surrender our life to him. So what is a disciple or are you a disciple? Well, a disciple is actually, in the Bible, is a 
is a committed follower of someone or something. You know, you can be a disciple of, of a teaching. You can be a disciple of a person. But what it means is that a disciple wants to become like the one that they're following. They want to experience the things that they experience. They, they want their life to rub off on them. I don't know if you've ever wanted to meet somebody and you just hoped somehow that you could touch a movie star or a sports star or there's a person that you admire. You just, you just want to be around them or for your life to, to, you just want them to rub off on you. You see, a disciple wants to become like the one they're following. I had a friend when I was growing up and he, he had a desire to be like a famous basketball player that was, that grew up in our, my generation. This was before Michael Jordan, even though Michael Jordan was a part of it. He's great, he's awesome. But my friend wanted to be like Larry Bird. Larry Bird's nickname is Larry Legend. There's guys that just talk about, they argue, was he the best player of all time? It's between him and Jordan and Magic Johnson and LeBron James. There's a big debate about this a lot of times. But my friend wanted to be like Larry Bird. In fact, he had the same hairstyle as Larry Bird. He had the mullet, the whole thing. Even wearing his clothes like him, tying his shoes like him. He copied the way that he shot the basketball. And for those of you that don't know, he didn't shoot it like most people did. He had a, a weird style where he brought it way back here and shot it from over on the side. It's not how you would teach anybody to shoot. My friend shot the ball the same way. He dribbled like him. He moved around the court like him. He even tried to talk like him. And, he, and, and Larry Bird was from French Lick, Indiana, where they had a big uh, drawl. And my friend tried to talk like that, even though he wasn't from Indiana. You see, his identity was tied up into emulating who Larry Bird was. He truly was a Larry Bird disciple. But here's what I want us to understand today that if we're going to be true disciples of Jesus it means that we want to be like Jesus in every way we want to walk like him we we're following his teachings obeying his word we we want to talk like him sharing his love and his message of hope to everyone around us we want to think like him a mindset on pleasing God we want to act like him demonstrating compassion towards others by releasing healing, deliverances, and other miracles. And as this happens, and as we begin to have them be a part of our lives more, all of a sudden the essence of Jesus begins to exude out of our lives. And it doesn't matter whether people know you or they don't know you, just as you come around them and you're around them because his essence is on you, it just begins to permeate on everyone else around you. His life becomes my life, your life. He dec we decrease so that he increases. But in order for this to happen, we have to understand that the key, and this is why we talk about surrendering, is that we have to surrender our lives to him and that we become all in, that we say, Jesus, you're my all, you're my everything, I want to be like you, I want every part of you to impact every part of my life. Surrender. Here's a word we don't like to hear, dying to ourself. Oh. You see, I believe this, to not fully surrender to Jesus leads to frustration. And I see people that are 
been in church a long time. I see people that are new to church. I see people that are around us, and many times they're frustrated in their faith, and they're frustrated with what's going on in their life, and, and, and you begin to realize this. I've experienced this. I've watched it myself. I've lived it myself. <laughs> That we get frustrated in our relationship with God because we've failed to surrender or go all in in our faith. Yeah. Attempting to please God. Oh, I hope I please you. But I, but I still want to hold on to these things. I still want to carry these things with me. I still like doing what I want to do. And it just leads to a, a, a frustration. And I want to say this. I want you to write this down. A divided life is a frustrated life. A divided life is a frustrated life. I never understood this when I first became a Christian. Some would say, you know, it's better that you don't never knew Jesus than to know Jesus and not serve him. And I was like, what is that all about? Why? Because it can just become frustrating. It's exhausting keeping our feet into two worlds. You see, the Bible says in Mark chapter 3, verse 25, it says, a house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And I, and, and I see so often we have people that are falling away, people that are getting in trouble, leaders and stuff. Why? Because they're not all in. Something else has come and began to take over places of their life. You see, what keeps us from being all in? Well, it can happen for a lot of things, and it's something that one of them I'm going to talk about is something that we experience from time to time in our own lives, and it's something that we want to avoid. It's either because we have choice, choices we make, or because of lack of knowledge. We just don't understand things. We don't know everything. And, and, I, and I understand on this journey that we're all learning stuff, but I call these two groups of people either you're, it, that, that struggle at time or frustrated that we can either become crinos or we're seekers. Well, what, what, what's a crino? Well, when we choose, choose not to be all in, we face the, the danger of what I be, call becoming a crino. It's a Christian in name only. Ooh, what in the world is that, Pastor Todd? Well, it's that we claim to love God, but we're still into ourselves. We still want to please ourselves. We still want to take care of ourselves. We still are into looking after ourselves. You see, and what happens if we don't, if we don't get off of this path that we can begin to slowly morph into this place where there's no distinguishable difference, if I can say it, no distinguishable difference between the way that we live and the way that the world lives. And we say we want Jesus, but we don't want to give up our stuff. We don't want to give up the things that we want to do the way that we want to do it. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. You've been there at places in your life. You've experienced that frustration. Maybe you're experiencing it right now. You see, we want to make sure that we're not falling into this place where we're just Christians in name only. You see, Christians in name only, you'll know that you're in that place, and I know I've been there, it's because you don't want to change and you become offended if you are challenged about ungodly living and attitudes that you actually get defensive about. This is why I am. Nobody can tell me what to do. You're right, nobody can. But here's the problem. Not only do you hurt yourself, but you do incredible damage to the church and the cause of Christ. 
Why? Because inevitably, if we're in that place, if, when we're just going through the motions of Christianity, when we're just, we're just putting a label on our heads, that we, in, in, inevitably we hurt people because we love ourselves more than we love them, more than we love Jesus. So I said, we've got to say this. Don't allow ourselves to, yourself to be a crino. You don't want to be in that place. I kind of joke about this, that friends, Christian friends, Friends don't allow friends to be crinos. We help each other. The other time, reason that sometimes we're frustrated in our faith as we're learning is because we're, we don't have the knowledge or the understanding of what it means to really be a Jesus follower. I call these people seekers. And seekers are actually in a great place because they're interested and sometimes even hungry to know more about Jesus. I still feel like I'm a seeker a lot of days. But there are times that they don't understand what living for Jesus means, which is okay because they've not made a, a commitment or are not aware of what the commitment means to serve and follow Jesus. It happens a lot because we're in a generation of people that what we would call our post-church. There's a lot of people that didn't grow up in church or what they grew around in religion wasn't really teaching them about what a relationship with Jesus was all about. But they're curious about Jesus and the ways of, of following him, and they feel encouraged when they experience church gatherings. They're like, man, I, I, I'm ex I, I, I like what I'm seeing. I'm not sure about all this stuff, but I'm, I'm interested in this. And yet there might be things in their life, there's things I know sometimes in my life that aren't always congruent with the teachings of the Bible. Because it hasn't been a part of the life. It hasn't been something that I understand or we know. But eventually, here's what we have to understand. That, that, that if you're in that place, eventually we have to ex surrender to experience the full benefits of being a disciple of Jesus. Amen. When we do know, when we do understand, when we do begin to see that we're like, God, help me to do that. You see, for those who of us who have made that decision to say, you know what, Jesus, you are the center of my life. We need to ask ourselves each and every day, is Jesus really the center of my life? You see, we have to remember what salvation is about. There's a scripture, I didn't write it down, it's just God's bringing it to my remembrance right now that says that we're to work out our salvation, what, daily, daily, well, what does that mean? Salvation is the decision that we make to surrender our lives and our lifestyle to Jesus. It's something we need to do every day. Can I tell you this? Some people have this idea that I, I, I made a decision at the altar 30 years ago, but the question is, are you still surrendering to Jesus today? Amen. Did you make that decision when you got out of bed? Because if you didn't, you're going to be challenged. <laughs> and it's not easy. I'm not telling you that it's easy. Salvation is the decision we make to surrender our lives and our lifestyle to Jesus. And I want to say this, that I know that, that I've been probably guilty of this as a leader in the past, but it's something I've really tried to steer away from, where we, we try to coax people into, you know, just try Jesus. Just, just add him to what you're doing. Just see if it works for you. And what I've learned and what I've experienced in my life is that it doesn't work that way. That when we come to the Lord, we have to say, Lord, I, I, I'm giving you my life. I want everything that I understand that is of me, I want to give it to you because I want more of you to be in my life. 
I've got to surrender, God, and it's not easy for me. I don't always like to do it. But there's life in it. It requires a word that is a big spiritual word, but I'm going to break it down for you. It requires that we, we, we truly have repentance in our life. And what is repentance? It's more than just feelings of sorrow or I'm sorry or, you know, I made a mistake. Sorry about that. Hey, I stepped on your toe. Sorry. I don't want to, I hope I don't do that again. But it's a commitment to change or transfer. It actually means, repentance actually means a willingness to change direction. It's a complete turnaround. It's like I'm heading in this direction. I'm living my life this way. I'm doing things according to how I see fit. And when God touches my life, when I encounter him, I turn around and I head in the opposite direction. You know, it's like people sometimes come to you like, Pastor Todd, I, I struggle with drinking. And then you're, you're like, well, why are you still going out to the bars? It's not easy. But that's what he talks about. He's like, if I repent, I'm going to make a change. When I was first learning how to drive, my driving instructor, uh, uh, I, I was riding with my, uh, my classmates. It was part of a high school class. And I made the mistake of turning the wrong way down a one-way street. Hello. Now, whether my faith level was high or low in God, at that moment, it was a come-to-Jesus moment. When cars were coming out, you're like, God, please help me. And I wanted to turn around as quickly as I could. And so I looked for an opportunity to make that turn around. That's the idea when we look in the Bible at repenting and repentance. It's when I, I give my life to Jesus that I want to make a turn around. We got to be committed to changing direction. And in Matthew 16, Jesus gives us the key of this and how we do this in being his disciples. And I've already kind of alluded to this, but here's what it says in Matthew 16, 24, 25. Jesus said to his disciples, if one of you wants to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, he's saying, you want to be like me, you want to live like me, he says you must give up your own way. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't like this part, God. Because there are a different way we can do this. And some of us, even, even, even in our moments, we negotiate with God. I just don't really want to give that. Can I hold on to that? God's saying, you must give up your own way. Listen to this. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Oh, Come on, God. That, that's, that seems kind of extreme, you know? Pick up my cross. Are you telling me that, 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 that I need to go to the cross like you were, that I need to be crucified like Jesus? Look, I, we, it was just Easter last week, man. I watched the Passion of the Christ. That's bloody. That's, you, are you expecting me to go up on the cross? That seems a bit much. That doesn't feel very practical. I don't think I want to do that. That's not what your cross represents. You see, we, we do not need to physically be crucified on a wooden cross. When, when we talk about what our cross means, it means your cross represents a place where your will is in conflict with God's will. And Jesus says, I want you to pick up your cross. 
what, what am I saying here, God? I'm saying, it's okay, God, for you to <laughs> challenge my will <laughs> with your will because I want to be like you. I want, I want, I want your, your spirit, your life to come out of my life. But I got to pick up my cross. Those of you who are parents know that if you're good parents, that you got to cross your kid's will. How many of you have ever crossed your kid's will? They wanted to do something. You said, no. It's not always exciting. It's not always fun. I know I have teenagers. You want to cross their will? You tell them to get out of bed on Saturday. It's a cross of the will. Get up. You have things to do. You have life to live. Jesus was raised from the dead. So must you be. Arise, my child. You see, the cross for me, the cross for you, this, could, this will be different for each and every one of us. We have to understand that our crosses are different. The things that God is challenging us with are different. That each of us has different areas that we struggle to surrender to God. Maybe for some of you here today, you, you battle with hurts and offenses towards people and situations. It's hard for you to let go. They hurt you. They spoke bad about you. They did things that they shouldn't, and you want to hold on to that offense or the cross. Jesus comes and says, Forgive them. Give me that offense. For others, maybe it's fear and worry. That's God's challenging you to trust him, that you're, you're trying to control what you cannot control. And today he's saying, give me control. Surrender that to me. I talked about that last week. God, I don't want to worry. How about finances and personal security? Oh, God. I don't know how to do this. I don't know if I, we, we talked about gospel-centered generosity. I don't know if I can do all of that stuff, God. I don't know what to do. And you, you focus on money and career. And I find so many people that are focused more on what their career is than on what their calling is for God. And they're missing out on what God's called them to do. How about love and fulfillment? Well, let's get, let's get, let's just take the gloves off here today. Where do you find sexual fulfillment? Your way or God's way? Pornography, self-pleasure. How do you do it? How do, how do you experience this? Other relationships, multiple relationships? Or do you say, God, I trust that you got a way to do this. I've, it's the cross. It's my cross. I'm, I'm picking up my cross. The list could be exhaustive. I mean, we could go on and on here. But here's the question, and I would like Margot to come up here. Here's the question that I have or whoever is going to play the piano. Um, will you, will I, will we surrender our will to the will of God? You see, to be a disciple means that we voluntarily pick up our cross, surrendering our life to the will of God. I find this so incredible. You see, I find it so incredible that that God speaks to us, that the path actually to fulfillment, the, cat, the path to experiencing the full measure of who Jesus is, it comes from giving our life fully to Jesus. And see, the enemy lies to us. He's lied to so many of us at different places. Maybe he's lying to you right now that somehow you can't get rid of this, or if you give this up, you will never experience 
fun. You'll never experience relationship. You'll never experience financial freedom. You'll never experience, you know, just the, the justice. You feel there's injustice in relationship that somehow you'll never get this unless you hold on to it. And Jesus today is saying, here, will you pick up my cross? Will you surrender it to me? Because I've got a call on your life. Your call not just to, to, to live for your own needs and things, that there's a world out there that needs reaching. We need to become fishers of men. And we do this when we are able to allow Jesus to fill our lives. So here's my question for each and every one of us. As people come around you, as people are a part of your life and your world, is the essence of Jesus all over you? Have you surrendered yourself to him? Or maybe if, you, if you're really honest, there's some areas that you're struggling with that you're having a hard time yielding to God that maybe you're not even sure that you can do it. But I hear God speaking to us that he says, I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna help you pick up your cross. You gotta pick up your cross. You gotta be willing to let me pick up your cross. Be my disciple. It starts with the decision that Jesus, I want to be like you in every area of my life, not just part of my life, not just in three quarters of my life, but I'm willing to go all in. It's like jumping off the diving board at the pool. You're not just sticking your toe in the water. You're not just kind of going up to your ankles or your knees. Jesus today is asking each and every one of us, will you go all in? Because as you do, if you do, folks, I'm not promising you that every day is going to be easy. But I will promise you this, that God will begin to give you and release into you his joy, his peace, his favor, his blessings. You get to experience God using you to help other people find who he is, those people that are seeking, those people that aren't even seeking yet, they're going to begin because of the essence of Jesus is going to roll off of your life and flow off of your life. You're going to experience things and joy that you cannot even imagine. In fact, I heard this by the Holy Spirit yesterday as I was looking at, well, how do I close this, God? I got so much stuff. In fact, what you don't know right now that I'm going to tell you, I have three other pages of notes that I didn't even share with you today. But as I was praying about this, I hear God saying, I'm, ca I want, I'm calling people to the Father's business, to my business. See, just like he took Peter and Andrew and James and John, and he said, I I'm taking you from your earthly Father's business, and I'm now bringing you into your heavenly Father's business. I hear God saying, I'm calling people to my Father's business. And what I believe is that we surrender, as we surrender our lives, to Jesus, that God is going to release kingdom ideas. There's kingdom ideas that God is going to continue to release to people here, creativity and innovation on how to reach people. And the Lord told me this, and he said, those as we surrender to him, remind them that your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you that there's a, a great future for those who are fully committed to Jesus. And I heard this word, fruitfulness. 
as we surrender our lives to God, that you're going to go from frustration to fruitfulness. Who wants fruitfulness in your life? God wants to give you his fruitfulness here today. But we must surrender. We must pick up our cross every day. Every day. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you realize today, God, there's things I just, I'm wrestling with this, man. God's even speaking to you right now about some things and you're just like, ugh. I'm here to tell you, surrender. If God's speaking to you and you're saying, Pastor Todd, I'm... I'm ready to surrender. I want to surrender. Or maybe you don't even, maybe 100% want to, but you're like, I know I need to. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Thank you. I'm raising my hand with you. This has been my journey this last three months. Just God, surrender. It seems like every day, will you surrender this? And I'm like, man, I think I can't surrender any more stuff. And then God's like, how about this? <laughs> say yes Lord because I realize that as I do this and, I, and I'm praying this into you right now that he's just Jesus is going to get more into you and because he gets more into you he's going to come out of you and as he comes out of you you're going to impact more people and Father I pray for every hand that's raised I pray for every person that's acknowledging with me that's agreeing with me Father God that, they, that, 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 that you're just working things in them I pray that you give them a strength to pick up their cross to release to you Lord if it's sin areas if it's uh, addiction things they would just give it to you Lord if it's relationship things they'd give it to you if it's worries God that they would just give it to you God that you're going you're gonna to fill them with a, a new sense of who you are and Jesus we're all going to grow We're all going to grow as we become your disciples, as we walk as your disciples. Oh, and I pray for the prophetic dreams and visions and for fruitfulness and all these things, God, that you would do it and so much more. But you got to surrender, folks, every day. Surrender every day. It's not easy, but it's worth it. I say this, I I saw somebody post something like this, you know, um, surrendering is hard. Not surrendering is hard. (laughs) Think about that. One provides things, the other one doesn't. And God, I just pray you'd help us to do it every day. Thank you. Well, I want to ask this question before we go. There might be some here who have never, never surrendered to Jesus. You've never surrendered your life. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, this is so foundational. The key to experience in life is by giving your life for Jesus. It sounds like it wouldn't work, but it is the key. It's an acknowledgement that the way that I'm living my life, doing my things, isn't producing what I believe it should produce. And so we say, Jesus, would you take control? Would you be the center of my life? If you're here today, heads bowed, eyes closed, and God's speaking to you, now that made that decision, would you raise your hand today if God's speaking to you to to make that choice. Thank you. If you're online, would you would you just make an acknowledgement in the thing? I'd like us all to pray this together. This is what I do. I believe we pray aloud, but never alone. Would we pray this? Jesus, I confess that I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me, to free me, help me to become like you. 
I thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. And I receive your free gift of eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 That's my prayer today is that we, all of you, every one of us is going to experience more life, more freedom, but it comes through surrender. I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or even if you're rededicating your life, you need to let somebody know. And if you're not sure about things, maybe you're a seeker and you got a lot of questions, reach out to somebody, ask them, hey, I'm, I'm curious about this. I'm not sure about this. Don't ever hesitate. You know what I say to people? There's no such thing as a bad question when it comes to understanding God and faith. Ask away. God is here for you. He loves you. Um, if you're not sure what to do or how to reach out to somebody and you want encouragement, you can email us at info at eastsidecitychurch.ca. Again, we will respond to you. We, we just look forward to building community with you. And for everyone here today, I want to invite you tomorrow night. Um, as disciples of Jesus, we get to pray together from 7.30 to 8.30. I want to invite you to come to our Zoom. The link for that and all that stuff is on our website at eastsidecitychurch.ca. Again, it's we're, we're just we're, we're in the midst of some good things here, and I'm just encouraged, and I'm excited about what God's going to do. So blessings to you. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and, and I look forward to connecting with you either during the week or next weekend. God bless.